Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Apple Store Sydney. In celebration of creativity and filmmaking, we are thrilled to be working together with Sydney Film Fest in presenting the Meet the Filmmaker series. To kick us off, I would like to introduce our moderator for this evening, Gary Maddox. Uh, hello, everybody. Thanks. It's great to have a good crowd here tonight because this is a terrific new Australian film and we're very privileged to hear from the, the makers of it tonight. Uh, Ivan said, as I'm sure many of you know, is the acclaimed director of Beneath Clouds, Tumala, uh, Mystery Road and now Goldstone. He writes, he directs, he shoots, he edits and he composes the music for his films, which makes him a very rare talent. Uh, he's a filmmaker of great sensitivity, great thoughtfulness, uh, whose films negotiate the difficult currents between black and white Australia and uh, is all the more valued for how well he does that. Aaron Peterson, of course, is a star of Mystery Road and Goldstone, a very talented actor whose work many of you will know from such things as Water Rats, uh, The Circuit, The Code, the Jack Irish telemovies, and of course, hosting Gladiator all those years ago. We <laughs> David Jowsey, a very talented uh, producer who's worked with Ivan on the three films that have been in the festival, uh, Tumala, Misty Road and Goldstone, and he's also produced some really terrific other Australian films, Satellite Boy, uh, there's uh, Jasper Jones, The Coming Jasper Jones, Rachel Perkins film, and also uh, uh, Mad Bastards, so three films that also deal with Aboriginal storytelling and Aboriginal stories in Australia. So can you please welcome them to the stage? start with Aaron if we can. I gather that you were pretty much the driving force behind another Jay Swan film, your keenness to work again with Ivan. Uh, yeah, I hassled him a little bit, um, only because I truly believed he'd started something that was worth continuing. Um, Jay Swan was a, he's a good man, he had a good heart, a good spirit, good soul, and um, it showed that in the first story. So, uh, And it seemed along the way we collected a number of audience members, a family that loved it and wanted to see him again. So I just pretty much, he says I rang him about seven times, but I think um, it was a handful of times um, and I just wanted to know whether he was interested in it and yeah, he, he came through with it, which was absolutely beautiful, yeah. Were you reluctant, Ivan, or was it just a case that you were interested in other projects? Yeah, I was interested in other projects. <laughs> no, um, yeah, there was, there was a certain emotional... Um, ambience which I was trying to put into Mystery Road and I don't think I quite got there with that and um, I was I was keen to try and I mean I just love the idea of this this outback indigenous detective um, caught between worlds but trying to kind of save both of them um, and it was just this emotion which I felt was missing from the first film which I um, I think I got at the end of Goldstone, so um, yeah. Okay. Did you? How difficult was it to kind of flesh out the terrain that you wanted to cover this time? It was. This time the process was very fast. Um, I think because I had the main character already established and made a whole film about him, the script came together very quickly. But the one thing we did know is that we didn't want to repeat ourselves, and we didn't want to make the same film. 
and um, so that, and we also wanted to make it more personal. Um, last time in Misty Road, he's trying to solve, help solve the problems of the town, but this time we wanted those problems to kind of manifest within, from inside of him. And in that, by doing that, it allowed the audience to come close to him and be more intimate. He starts in a dark place, doesn't he? Uh, when we first see him, he's clearly pretty troubled. Uh, did you deliberately want to sort of get him damaged so that you could sort of take him through that? Yeah, we wanted to um, dirty him up a bit and have him, in contrast to how we saw him before, have some time difference so the audience from the outset are wondering what's going on since last time we saw him. But in saying all that, uh, it was really important for it to be a standalone film and not rely on uh, people seeing the first film. But we collaborate quite a lot when, when, we're, when I'm writing and um, that was Aaron's idea for him to actually be, to be drunk that, in that first scene. Yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, look, it, it, and that's kind of, for me, something I've tried to avoid over a number of years because of the stereotypical nature of Indigenous people and the representation with al alcohol. So um, it was a big thing for me to go down that path and I think it was for Ivan to hear it and to accept it too because we both truly believe that there are things, there are parameters that we wanted to stay away from. We never wanted to put them together because we believe that it's been done, it's done too much damage to Indigenous Australia over the years. But we figured that we could do it with such an intelligent character, with, with an intelligent filmmakers on board that were going to make this actually much more um, uh, palatable for me as a performer. But Ivan as, you know, the filmmaker and the visionary behind it all too. So um, it, was, it was a little scary at first, but... I truly believe that we could make it work and there was another little thing that I dropped into it and it was the, the daughter situation which I thought was, um, was going to strengthen the reason why he was making choices like that and we took him back to being a drinker again and seeing when he was a drinker because in the first one Mary Tasman's character says, oh, you used to drink a lot. So we just revisited little things like that and just believed that we were able to achieve it without reinforcing negatives over and over and over again. David, what's the producer's perspective when you uh, pitch the idea of another Jay Swan film? What did you think? Uh, there was a little bit of a resistance, actually, um, um, in some quarters. Um, there was a sense that we, uh, Ivan and I, released Mystery Road ourselves. We were the distributor on the film. And that was a really fascinating learning experience. But uh, it is quite a complex, difficult thing to access cinemas uh, in Australia. You really... Uh, it can be complicated. So we didn't get all the cinemas we wanted for Mystery Road, which was, which was some sort of disappointment. I guess that was a, some sort of reservation. But uh, once people saw the script that Ivan had written, and he actually made a little teaser, and uh, it just sort of captured the resonance of what Ivan wanted to do, and he just cut it from the internet. And that, you know, to sell a film with a two-minute teaser is actually what he did. I noticed that, um, Ivan, you talk about it as a spin-off. I would think of it more of a sequel. Is that a creative decision or a marketing decision? No, I guess how you, how you personally define it, I guess, um, and, and how much you expect to be resolved in the second film, which wasn't resolved in the first film, and the film doesn't hang on any anything being resolved in, this, in, in Goldstone, you know. So for me, there's just not enough weight there, um, 
to be called a sequel. Um, you know, there's, there's all kind of connections which I think are great and, they, and it really enhances Goldstone if you've seen Mystery Road. But, um, but yeah, the, the plan was for it just to be able to stand alone as this single film. Now, David, I know that you talked about not getting enough cinemas, but it did really well when it screened on the ABC, didn't it? A lot of people saw it. It really did. It, um, it had a consolidated audience of over a million viewers on its first screening at the ABC, which was made it one of its top dramas for that year. So it really did strike a chord, I think. Um, as Ivan said, that uh, the character of Jay caught between two worlds. It really, I think it did strike a chord with audiences, and that was borne out by that great audience on the ABC. Now, maybe I think people would be very interesting to hear about your working relationship between Aaron and Ivan. You're both kind of kindred spirits in lots of ways. You're both personally close. You both clearly love this character and kind of feel for where the story goes. Can you tell us about how you work and how you negotiate where, this, where the film goes and how you work together on set? We share a lot of similarities to Jace One, I think, from our, um, our personal lives. Um, coming from communities and then stepping outside of those communities to um, face the other world and to actually, I guess, try and help understanding between the two worlds at the same time. And we both grew up in, um, in, in uh, circumstances which were difficult to get out of and... Uh, those, that kind of stuff we don't have to talk about because it's, it's within our blood and uh, there's just that strong connection and I think, and we, we, we're kind of different. He talks a lot, I don't. Um, he gets up early, I don't. Um, on Mystery Road, we shared the same actual room, um, which wasn't very good, was no. it? <laughs> Look, we live together, we work together, I don't think we had a fight once, which was good. Um, uh, I think, and also, there's, there's a greater sense of our connections, and that is our parents were brought up under the same policies and legislations in this country. Um, you know, our parents and our grandparents and our great-grandparents and all those before, before and, and this is, you know, um, before when the boats came, is that we, our parents were part of the Flora and Fauna Act in this country. They were, they weren't, they were plants and animals. So for... Generations of, uh, well, our generation was born in the 1970s, so we're the privileged generation. So we just truly believe that there's a greater fight on our hands. There's greater moments in this time that we have to take. We have to make them count, and we have to make them believable. So the sense is not just about individuals, but family lines too, even though we come from two different nations, but within this nation. But we had to fight and had to believe that the sacrifices all our family and our parents and our great-grandparents and all that made for us to exist right now, and for us to even be in this Apple store all together, is, you know, it's quite monumental. It's not just about a black and white thing, but it's just a journey of people and of spirits and hearts. And so when Ivan and I were making the film, and even with David Jowsey, we never really spoke a lot about a lot of things. It just felt like they were innate. They were just instinctive stuff. They were true to what we wanted to say and how we wanted to say them. And we always are aware of the belief that we have an intelligent audience and we have intelligent uh, people that have been following our careers individually or as a collective. So we believe that we don't need to signpost a lot of stuff, that we just need to deal from the heart and the soul of it all. And I've never worked with a director where very little is said. 
and, and we go into scenes sometimes just doing it and then coming out of it and then saying maybe we'll just tweak it a little bit. So we step into it from the same soul and I think it's got to do with history in a lot of ways too, yeah, very much so. There's a, there's a lot in Misty Road and, and especially in Goldstone about our relationship to the land. Mining represents some sort of damage to the land or something that distorts the connection with the land. There are people coming from another land to, our, to this land. Uh, tell us about how you sort of see that. And of course, it's the most beautifully shot film. It just looks magnificent. The, the country, the, the world, a real appreciation and respect for the land. Tell us how you feel about it and how that fits into the story. Well, people often talk about the land as being, in films, being another character. But for me, they're the sta it's the stage, the all-important stage. I mean, and then the characters are on top of that. And for me, the, the land or the environment where a film is set is the thing that informs your characters and it uh, informs the decisions they make. And I always want to give that weight. Um, regardless of whether it's the beautiful desert of outback Queensland or it's in a science fiction future city, that where we are defines who we are. And uh, it's always important for that, to give, for me to give that weight. Um, but in saying that, I like to give everything weight. <laughs> Every single thing. Um, even if it's a, it's a bullet ricochet, um, I think that deserves to have weight. Everything deserves weight. And I think, for me, I, I personally feel like it's an indigenous perspective where you respect everything that makes up your environment. And tell us about, you've obviously got the two different themes going about Aboriginals uh, being harshly treated through the centuries, but also Chinese, since they've come to Australia, being harshly treated. Tell us how you see the connection between the two cultures. Well, it's a difficult thing to answer. I mean, Goldstone's about worlds clashing um, like they have since uh, contact, European contact. And, you know, there's been Chinese influence before that as well in Northern Australia as well. But, um, yeah, the Goldfields is the first example of these different, different um, cultures clashing. And uh, it was important for me to try and um, show that what's happening now has been happening for a long time out there and the thing about Jace Wan is that he he walks between boundaries and it's a chance it gives an opportunity for these boundaries to actually um, he crosses over them when he crosses over them there's like a, a vortex so these cultures have a chance to actually really hit each other and, and um, react from each other um, and I just think that it's just something, because of, I don't know if it's, it's, you know, we're all connected, we're all connected, but we separate ourselves with cultural and social boundaries. And we, and they're there because we construct them. And I learned about that from a very young age, growing up in a housing commission estate in Tamworth, I was saying the other night, and uh, I'm just a very, you know, four-year-old kid, and I've got the railway line there, at one end, then the, the, the town, the edge of the town on the other, and uh, there's no escape, you know. Um, you know, we, we go out during the day or whatever. But, and this place was affectionately termed uh, Vegemite Village as well. That was the kind of the name that the town um, 
gave it. And so and that's what we do. We, we set up these boundaries. And all the layers that are in Goldstone, I mean, they're all there in reality. Everything that's in that film has come from, if it's not my experience, it's the experience, my experience of other people. And the beauty of film is that you can actually grab these things and paint them together and, and create something so that it can manifest into something that's palatable and presentable to an audience and can provoke thought but also move people and entertain them at the same time. And I think that's what we were trying to get at with Goldstone. Aaron, you've got uh, a stranger blowing into town. You've got a, a shootout with a Winchester rifle. Is it a Western? Um, well, you know, I mean, I grew up in Alice Springs. Um, you can get the sense that that's got a Wild West sense about it in a lot of ways. Um, I think the world's a little bit of a Wild West. It's a little bit of a Western. It's, um, um, it's, look, it, it can have that sense, but I think from a marketing point of view, it's a lot more creative and it's a lot more palatable and we take it, the horizons are even further away rather than shooting in the city. I know initially for uh, Mystery Road, Ivan was looking at the city as a, as a backdrop, but it didn't have depth to it and it didn't have the things that were going to be stronger and appealing on an international level, and, but even just from an audience point of view. So kind of stepped out of that because I'd done a lot of the city stuff. So the cityscape was another thing. But um, is it a Western? Uh, yeah, he's a... Um, uh, yeah, with his mechanical horse, so I kind of, <laughs> you know, yeah, the hold in the mechanical horse. Um, look, a lot of people say no, but no, nah, I'm not, I'm not sure. But from a, I think people take away the personal stuff with it. I think um, you make films for other people, and I think people can take away what they think it is. Vastness is isolation and desolation, all that stuff. Become great characters, and I think that's what's really beautiful about what Ivan chose to do was. The land's character and even the wind is character and just the sun is character and, and you know, the, the greater elements that bind us all together, Mother Earth and Father Sky, you know. It's, um, so however they look at it is their own kind of personal approach to it. I did say it once in an interview overseas and Ivan looked at me cross-eyed because <laughs> um, he wasn't quite sure what I was talking about. But from that point, <laughs> like now, like now. Um, but, yeah, I think it's just a personal take, and I think more than anything, Gary, yeah. Okay. David, was it an easier film to uh, put together after Mystery Road? Um, there was some, as I said earlier, there was some resistance uh, to it initially because, you know, normally a, a sequel or a spin-off is made from a, something that's, a, you know, highly successful at the box office. And although Mystery Road had had a huge amount of critical uh, success, you know, it, it, was, it was a modest performer at the box office merely because we couldn't access as many cinemas as we wanted and we released it ourselves, as I said. But um, I think once the script started to really come together, and as Ivan said, he, he wrote the script, a lot of drafts, very quickly. Um, he works very hard and uh, he turned the script around in a short amount of... And once people started to read the script, um, there was a lot of support for it, uh, both from actors and, and funding, funding parties, uh, because it was a strong script, a strong story as well as government agencies. Did you get private investors in this film as well? We do. We had quite a lot of private investors in the film and um, they're very happy with it, which is good. So you've made uh, Mad Bastards and Satellite Boy and Jasper Jones. Tell us about, uh, you know, kind of why you work in this area of Indigenous storytelling. 
Um, well, I guess the simple answer is that I was incredibly lucky to be in the right place at the right time to meet Ivan, and that's you know, something sort of transformed my life, and uh, I've just been incredibly lucky, I realise, and it's just a great privilege, really, to have been uh, invited in and then just to have sort of hung around, actually, and um, now people can't get rid of me. <laughs> the definition of a producer. Uh, you're uh, someone, Ivan, who's interested in sci-fi films as well. Tell us about that interest. Isn't everybody, you know? Everybody's making them. Sci-fi is... Um, well, you will be soon. <laughs> um, science fiction, you know, well, it's the future, you know. So, um, it's an incredibly challenging thing to write, um, depending on how far in the future you're looking, because you have to kind of leapfrog... Depends on how much you want to leapfrog what is here, what's now. And you have to be careful not to make things, make sure that things are still relevant um, to the audiences because we're living here, living now, and you don't want it too distant from our own reality at the same time. Um, but you have a couple of um, science fiction projects. and um, Yeah, I don't know. I just, I, just, I just think they're the ultimate in imagination you know, and, and creativity. The links in terms of the stories you can tell, the individual within a landscape, the alienated individual, somebody comes from a different background? Um, more of a, um, a social kind of perspective, I think, more than anything, more than a cultural one. But um, the cultural thing is still important for me. Like, uh, you know, I'm, there's a futuristic um, a Chinese future city in one of them, and it's very important. Um, I kind of modelled that this city a lot on Hong Kong and, and all of the, the amazing clash of cultures that are going on there and the technology and stuff. Okay. Now, I know that you shot this one... You shot Misty Road at Winton in outback Queensland. You shot this one not very far away from there at Middleton, which you've described as a very small town. Three Population three? Yeah, three that people. Is, that is a very small town. Depends whether the son is actually in town on his helicopter because he flies around you know, chasing cattle and stuff. Okay. So why shoot it in that part of the world in particular when you could have shot anywhere in Australia? Well, I couldn't because we had to, I had to pick Queensland because Green Queensland was a partner. So um, sometimes... But, but, you know, sometimes you write a script and you, and, and you do it at your own peril because you just get carried away and you make this story and this town and then it kind of works and then you think, oh, well, but this place doesn't exist. So... Um, you have to try and make it exist. Um, I drove all over Queensland um, to try and find the town of Goldstone, but it didn't exist. And um, years, years before, actually, we drove through Middleton looking for mystery road locations, it, um, which was just a stunning, stunning landscape. And um, it's way too far away from Winton to use for mystery road. So it just stayed in the memory banks, and I went back out there. And yes, it had a landscape, but no town. Um, so we actually had to try and stretch our budget to the point where we could afford to build some kind of town and also our accommodation uh, at the same time. Okay, so how much did you actually end up building and were some of the places that you shot actually the places you were staying in, were they? Yeah, we uh, stayed on the station just on the edge of town and we, we built a mine camp um, for the mine, and which we see in the shootout um, towards the end. And uh, that was the... Um, the, the, the uh, cast and crew accommodation um, wasn't mine though I, I was stuck in a tent you know I didn't get I wasn't that lucky but um, yeah and we had to recycle 
our sets as well. I think the police station became the ranch and uh, um, the mayor's office became something else. It was just a, you know, just trying to make it work on very, very low budget. Okay. And you have, uh, you know, it's a pretty spectacular finale with a plane taking off and a car rolling, Aaron, there. So that's a kind of big stunt element, really, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, look, it's always good to do that action stuff. I wasn't quite sure where we were going to go with it, but um, I haven't had a whole number of shootouts and, and a car sequence thing that was just um, uh, planted throughout the whole film. So, I mean, I loved it. It was a great experience. I mean, I, mean, I didn't really roll the car, <laughs> but I climbed out of it. <laughs> no, I think it was an insurance thing, wasn't it, David? <laughs> I wanted to roll the car. <laughs> uh, but look, it was a great experience and, you know, um, everyone will believe that I rolled it. That's a good thing. They always, they always believe those things in movies. So I don't need to go around saying anything really, Gary. Okay. So we got, uh, we're going to have another Jay Swan story? Jeez, I don't know. He... <laughs> um, Actually, looks looks uh, like I got support, Ivan. So we were just upstairs and someone asked asked us, uh, is there going to be another Jace one? And he just, go, he just says, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking, where did that come from, mate? Where did that come from? Well, it's either that or Centrelink, brother, so yeah. Now, I've, I've had an idea for, for a film um, since last year, which wasn't, initially wasn't going to be anything to do with him. Um, <laughs> but uh, on one of our rare days off on Goldstone, we sat at the pub um, and spoke about um, how that idea could integrate with Jace One, and it's an inc incredibly radically radical idea, very crazy idea. It's totally different from these two th um, things, and uh, I mean, if you, when you see him in the first scene, it's just like, what the? It's like, yeah, totally, totally out there. Yeah, look, I've been pushing on it. I planted the seed a while ago. I'm still watering it, just quietly. Um, but look, for me, it's, um, it seems like it's got a couple of unanswered questions. Um, he's a great character still and uh, the idea that Ivan's, you know, kind of attached to uh, the Jay Swan character, um, you know, it's, um, it's fantastic because it's got, it is another film altogether. It's, not like, it's, a, it's a strong through line but it allows life to exist between the films. So when you, like in this, in, in Goldstone, when, when, you, uh, when you turn up and you see him for the first time, well there's been some time between the last shot of Mystery Road and the first shot of Goldstone, so life's taken place, and I think that's the whole sense of what the next film will be like, won't it, Ivan? You haven't sold it yet, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Ivan, tell us about all the different roles you take on the film. Writing the script, directing your own script, shooting your own script. I don't answer this question anymore, Gary. I've just given up. I've, I've, it's, 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 a no, it's no answer. <laughs> Aaron, do you want to answer it? No, it's an, it's no, no, this, is a, look, this is a good spot to well, be, actually. No, sir, I, oh, right. I'm glad he can't act. <laughs> that means I get a job. He's actually a really good actually, chef, though, as well. I, 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 I shot a... Uh, I don't know if you've seen Mystery Road, but this Hugo Weaving in the Chinese restaurant with, with uh, Jace Wan, I'm actually wrote a role for me and, oh, no. and another... And oh, our, no. It ended up on the cutting room floor, I'm sorry I about cut that. myself out of the film. <laughs> it ended up on the cutting room floor. But it's a good place to be in, in, the, in the Apple store because um, 
I do everything on this on this apple, and uh, it's the most. It, it's don't worry, not giving me anything, not yet. Any, <laughs> no, no, I, 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 technology. This is the time that allows someone like me to actually do do what I do because a few years ago it was really difficult, but now, um, you know, I've got my my. Uh, I don't use Final Cut anymore though, but Apple, you should you know fix it up because um, yeah, I'm Premiere now, but. Um, Apple, I couldn't do what I do without Apple, actually. Um, and it's as simple as looking at that screen. It's, for me, you know, it's all data, right? And so for me, it's all data, too. So it, whether it's shooting or writing the script uh, or the music, it's, for me, it's all the same thing, like it is to the computer, really. Um, you're just kind of using different areas of your brain, but once you settle into that and you realise that, OK, the physical kind of thing of what you're doing it still goes back into the same creative area of the brain. And for me, it's all the same thing. Um, and it's a very intimate thing at times. And uh, it's something I started doing um, a long time ago. And uh, I don't know, I just, I, I have tried it the other way and the, and the collaboration. But I do, you know, people say I do all this stuff, but I don't make a film. I, usually I don't make films by myself. Uh, it's, it's, you know, 40, 50 people helping me and there's a huge luxury there because I've made a film like Tumular where it was just me and that's, that's a hell of a responsibility to do the, the costume, props, sound recording as well as everything else. Um, so going onto a film like Goldstone where you've got 50 people, that's just like resort. That's just like luxury, you know. You composed a terrific score for Goldstone. Did you start to think about that when you were writing or when you were on set, or did you wait until you sort of saw what you had? I had plans of using a band, one of my favourite bands um, from America, but um, uh, I had the luxury of a rough cut editor on this this film, and so it freed me up after the shoot. And um, and then I just made the decision one day to actually sit down and just focus on music, and I did that for two months. Um, and and got it all written in two months and um, went to the editing after that and I kind of put it away and then went to editing and uh, but it's all done on, on on that computer it's all that you know that one thing um, so the music after the editing I mean maybe on a rough cut and then I brought the music back and the thing about the intimacy of it is it's extraordinary you can when you're, um, you're cutting the picture together and then you just compose something to put in there and then you put it in and then it just makes you start crying and, and, then, and it's just incredibly intimate experience and it's probably, I mean, all the, all the aspects of making a film are moving um, but there's something really, really touching when you can cut a scene together and then just slide some music in um, immediately and then it just comes to life. David, we've seen the first two screenings of this film. What's the life of the film from here on? When do you release it? How wide do you release it? Um, it's been announced that the film is in cinemas as of July 7, uh, all around the country. So, um, you know, please share that with uh, your colleagues and friends. So, um, yes, and it's being released through Transmission Films. So 7th of July is when we're in cinemas. The ABC want this one as well? I hope so. It's still to be discussed. They didn't come in at uh, production stage? 
No, with Mystery Road we did have a deal up front with the ABC, but um, they're not in that business anymore it seems, so uh, no, this is a, hopefully they will actually pay us uh, for, for purchasing it. See, that would be nice, okay. All right, we've got some time for questions, so uh, put your hand up and we'll get a microphone to you and uh, ask away. I'm wondering why um, um, Aaron wasn't shot in the last scene there, why he survived that. I know he's got to make another film. Come on, another three, actually, number three. Actually, what was the deal there? Um, I think it was about... Um, oh, you can answer. I think it was just more to do with an Indigenous connection, I think. I thought so, yeah. It was a brotherhood. Oh, uh, uh, you a, mean between Aaron Faso? Yeah, Aaron Faso and myself, yeah, the character bear, right. yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, and you can argue, you know, the, the Johnny's gotten away on the plane, there's no need to have a murder charge <laughs> on you, you know, as well as having a dodgy number plate. I don't know if you've all picked that up. Yeah, I think it was just to do with cultural connection, but it, was, it made it stronger too, because I don't think the character was written with an Indigenous um, background. It was just the way it was cast, and it just seemed to be one of those natural things that made it stronger for us and... Yeah, very much. Jay Swan's a dead man there. But um, I think it's just, yeah, the connections made with the actors and, and, and the choices are made because of the casting, I think. Yeah. I think it makes it stronger. If it he were shot, different. the question would be, why did he shoot him? Yeah. Mm. Um, I have a question about the script. Uh, how did you find the boundary between, like, picking up and giving the previous fans from Mystery Roads enough to jump off and be like, ah, oh, yeah, that's why that happened. And also someone who just jumped in on Goldstone and, like, still be caught up with everything. Like, what was the boundaries? Or did you have any? Not really. I didn't worry about it too much. I think that's the way I approached it. And, um, and just things just found their way, their way in just naturally. I mean, when... Um, you know, cause of that commotion back home and, you know, from Jackie Weaver's character and then from Alex Russell, the stuff about, you know, the men dead and all this and then the, the daughter stuff. And some of it came from Aaron as well. He was, he was more keen to keep layers there from the, from the first film than I was. And it's something that we didn't really worry about too much because I just wanted it to be a standalone film and not rely too much on, on what was before. Hi, congratulations, you guys. I have a question for you, David. So you mentioned Mystery Road you actually distributed independently. Um, I've just produced my own documentary and submitted to 10 international film festivals. Um, what advice would you have if I wanted to take that route and, and independently distribute my film? Um, I would encourage you to do it. I think, um, you know, one of the things that Ivan and I have talked a lot about is that, um, you know, you really do want to... It is a, quite a big job making a film, as you well know, and congratulations on achieving that. And, uh, you know, it is one of those things where it is really nice if one can, you know, reap some rewards from the tail of a film and from its marketing. I think that, that that's an appropriate thing for uh, filmmakers. So it's just really trying to make that work. So it, it is a difficult road, though. I mean, you have the, the balance between how much time do you spend seeing the back end of the market on your film as opposed to making a new one. So, you know, it's... It, it, there's always that balance, but uh, I, I, I think it's uh, something we're interested in doing more of, if we can. Hi, uh, I've got a question for Aaron. I think your performance in this film is absolutely out of this world. It's really amazing. And my question is, what did you have to do to prepare for your body to do what it did in this role? How did you prepare to perform like this? I've never seen anything like it. 
Um, I think, um, look, I, it's interesting because the whole notion of me saying straight out to Ivan, what if he's drinking? So getting back on that boat means that I, have to, had a, I had to have, you know, awareness of how drunk I play and where I am with it all. I just, I think I went into this quite a, um, um, the weight, it was an effortless approach to it, but I think the weight I took came from just life in general that life is one of these things that can weigh a lot of people down. So I think the body just felt into that kind of rhythm. Um, you know, I mean, I was always quite buoyant. I'm very buoyant on set when we're not shooting. I'm actually probably the biggest idiot on set. And for good reason too, because I, I try very much not to weigh everyone down with the material. The materials are very serious. We can drive everyone crazy with the crew. And, you know, everyone that's a part of the whole journey with all the heavy stuff and the heavy issues. But I, I really choose to, I choose to keep a buoyancy with it. And <laughs> Ivan gets a bit sick of me after a while. But, you know, there's great joy in making people laugh and then switching on to the art. So uh, it wasn't really that hard because I, I kind of carried a different persona as Aaron. And then when it came to the J thing, I just kind of, I don't know, it was just more the, the weight of the world thing, I think. And... Um, and it, 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 it didn't really take too much preparation. Um, I, I believe um, Australia is a great sounding board for playing drunks because I truly believe the whole nation's drunk, really. Um, and I've always had that sense of it. I think it's a, a nation of drinkers. And it's, uh, it's terribly sad in a lot of ways, but I don't think it's very hard to play it when you see a lot of it, whether they be uh, any cultures, really not just one particular culture. So I, um, I just caught the weight of the world was the place that I went with it. Um, and it was just a shift. It was just a more of a, um, a whether, of whether my body was able to, uh, to, you know, distribute that weight evenly, if that makes sense, you know. Because sometimes, uh, you know, the depressive state is very different from, from a non-depressive state. So it was just kind of more a, a body shift thing more than anything. Um, but, yeah, that, that's the only way I could really answer. I didn't do any other preparation with it. I just kind of thought of the weight of the world. And the world's a pretty um, sad place at the moment. So mm. it wasn't necessarily a hard place to go to, really, at all. Should but thank you. We should mention Alex Russell as well because he yes. puts in a terrific performance. Yeah, Alex is brilliant, yeah. And he's such a nice counterweight for you. And the two characters really kind of evolved together really well. And towards the end, we realised that in the way that Jay's searching for some sort of peace as well as solving this crime. He's searching for himself. He didn't realise he'd lost himself until two-thirds of the way through the film. Yeah, very much so. You know, it was a, it was a beautiful counterweight to it, you know, like, and, um, and, and I suppose ben, that was another thing that probably played a big part in it too, just knowing where Alex was coming from and also where I was sitting into the film with it all. Um, and, yeah, and just the way that the story's been written from Ivan's point of view just... Yeah, made us made a lot easier. Made it a lot, lot easier. Yeah. I got a question for Ivan. You mentioned earlier um, science fiction. What have you got in mind for a possible science fiction movie? I can't really talk too much about it yet. Um, <laughs> and you know, like just a clue? Any idea? Um, well, there's Loveland, which uh, I've been working on for like seven years. I, you know, filmmaking so. Cr writing such a crazy thing. Uh, this script was written in, the first draft was 10 days and that film's been going for seven years now. Um, 
like I was saying, it's such a it's such a challenge to write science fiction, and um, also that film is being aimed at a mass um, at a mass audience. So um, I mean, on the largest possible scale, pretty much, and so it has been a bit of a struggle to create something that's um, artistic and meaningful, but can actually compete for screens with, you know, the four films that are released every year, you know, like The Hobbit and Transformers and um, what's the other two films that are released every year? Well, there's, a st- there's usually a comic book film of some description. <laughs> yeah, you know what those films are. I mean, to compete with them, you've really got to, you've really got to be, really go hard at, to, a, to, to attack them in a certain way uh, and to maintain your integrity at the same time is is a, it's not an easy thing to do but I think it can be done and so that's why that script's been taken taken so long but I'm getting there with that and um, yeah, there's another film and I can't really talk about either uh, that one too much but hoping it'll open the Sydney Film Festival in two years another two years maybe okay uh Yes, um, love these we'll talk about bodies and things, but something a little bit different here. Lots of tensions in, in the film, which I thought was great. But I just wanted to ask about the vexed issue of mining leases and native title. And as a writer, to what extent is this um, something a little stretch of your imagination or did you research it thoroughly? Um, I, I sense that there might be a little bit of reluctance to actually dwell too much on that subject, is that right? You mean on actual land rights or? Well, in the film and in discussion, it's not something that we've really talked about, but I think it's a vexatious issue and there are those of us who are very concerned about about it, yeah. Well, we're concerned about it, mm. probably more than you. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, when you make a film, you, uh, like I was saying, these layers are out, all out there and, uh, the art is making them manifest into something that feels a, a complete whole, I guess. And that's the whole struggle with art, um, to make something feel like it's complete, because nature is so good at doing it. When we try to do it, it's, it's, it's a different story. Um, but, uh, you know, that's just the layer in there, the whole... I mean, it's, it's, it's happening. I mean, I saw last week uh, the oh, land council being investigated in WA for corruption over a, a uranium mining deal and a lot of the uh, community um, who were saying that they weren't uh, consulted with during that process. I mean, it's all there in reality and it's, it's, this film isn't purely about that. It's, a, it's more about the, the clashing of these worlds and what happens to truth when worlds clash. And uh, it hints that, you know, the only real truth left is is inside of you and your perspective of, of being a good person in the end. Mm. Thank you. You can see it actually in this city. You don't have to go very far. My question is for Ivan and Aaron and follows on a little bit from the previous questioner. Um, a big theme in this film is control over land with the land councils, uh, indigenous elders, as well as other important things in the film. I want to ask, what is your vision for a continuing discussion about Aboriginal control over Aboriginal land with this film being public in the film festival? 
I think the beauty, or well, the partly, I well, I think I do what I do because it's a chance to put my show the perspective that I have to other people, and uh, I think a lot of Indigenous filmmakers. Um, I mean, there's there's a movement happening now which we all kind of know about, and and the power of film is something that that um, it's quite extraordinary because we need it, it, it's, it's able to move people at the same time as provoke thought and I mean there are politicians this, I mean land is, is, is a huge thing for indigenous people at the moment I mean, I mean native title didn't help my people at all it made things worse it killed, it killed off our land rights um, uh, because there's all kinds, in, in a way, it, it's, it's hamstrung, you know, probably 50% of the communities in this country. Um, but there's also many other issues which are really killing us at the, at the moment. I just went to a funeral up in Tamworth and they've lost five kids in the last month. I mean, the thing you heard in the, the, thing you heard in the films actually happening all over the place. This system of life is really... It's really not there for a lot of our young people anymore. And um, but in saying that, you know, power of film, we can we can give audiences more understanding and perspective. So when governments, politicians want to do something to actually help us or to allow us to help ourselves, you know, there'll be less chance of them getting voted out or calling the governor general in, you know, and and. There's just this mainstream consciousness which is out of whack, which needs to be gently massaged, I think. Thank you. Uh, congratulations on a great film. It had such a great reaction. I'm happy for you. I was wondering, you're currently seeing so many Indigenous films or TV coming out with Clever Man. Do you think that people are just prepared now to hear more Indigenous stories? Or is it more just that you're getting the chance to make what you want to make? Oh, I think they're working in tandem, you know, at the same time. Um, for me, there's not a lot, you know. You said one TV show and one film, and then it's not much, really. But we need more and more out there. But, um, you know, it's a cycle. The more you do, the more people are interested. But there's a lot of... Um, I think there's a lot of psychology involved in what we're doing as well. You know, Clever Man is kind of clever because it's drawing people in through its, its uh, genre kind of bones as much as Goldstone is too, you know. Um, because if you go out there and make a hard-hitting film which is, has no kind of thought about the audience at all, it, it's, um, it's difficult to kind of turn that audience to come into it. Um, so I think Indigenous filmmakers are becoming uh, more clever in how they, they create um, films and TV shows. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, when I first started out on a lot of the TV shows, Water Rats, Wild Side, all that stuff, I truly knew that, um, you know, uh, there's, there's a specific way you step into things, there's an intelligent way to approach things. 
you can't scare too many people off too quickly. You've got to, you've got to understand generations of people, um, you know, move to the side while the new generations move through and take their places. So it's always been a, a, a patient game and a patient approach to things. You've got to believe that, you know, with education, because that's what the... The problem that we've had in the past as young Indigenous people is the education department's failed all of us. You know, even from the very outset to say terra nullius was, you know, not the right thing to be doing. I mean, creating our own propaganda and telling lies and educating people on so many different levels and sending people away and then they perpetuate that problem and that lie and that myth. And then for, you know, over 170 years, our people are incarcerated and put under the Flora and Fauna Act and they're plants and animals and they're not even human beings. I mean, how the hell does something like that ever happen? in a country, it's because it's, you know, it's controlled by certain governments and certain peoples and policies and legislations. Well, TV's the power. Um, you know, it's the only time you can get into people's lounge rooms without getting arrested, <laughs> you know. But there's a great truth to that too and being in, people, being in people's lives, you know. It's like, you've got to understand it's a game. You've got to be smart. You've got to play it the way it needs to be played without scaring off people on the masses. You've got to believe that you're speaking to the people who are the ones that will help you climb and climb and make things a lot better and be a part of the journey. And to get up and come and see Goldstone is the, it's the bonus for us. It's the win for us. It means people are making an effort. People are coming here tonight. That's what I was saying before, that to be here in this store and to be here together means that somewhere along the line all the sacrifices that were made were made for the reason to put us all here together. And that's all about TV and filmmaking too. You know, we're trying to make things that are palatable to people, things that people can take away and be entertained with. I mean, Goldstone and, and even Mystery Road, the first time when we made it, we couldn't believe that we were able to walk out of Winton, you know, because really, under a guise of entertainment, we were saying a lot of different stuff for, for, for Australia in general, and nobody, and nobody feels like they were offended by it in any way, which is a beautiful thing, and it's not the guise of it, but it's the conversation that you choose to have with them, and Filmmaking and TV and all those things are the great weapon and the great tool to change it and make it better for all of us, I think, because we all like to be entertained. So, you know, um, under that, we can all be entertained, empowered, educated and informed correctly. You know, the education department made it very hard for our parents, made it very hard for our grandparents because they told a lot of lies. They didn't tell everybody the truth. So this is a form of schooling, I suppose, and a form of education or college or university that you want to look at it that way, I, I believe anyway. Hey guys, I was just wondering with the, um, the flipping of the car and the blowing up of the mine, was the mine done in like uh, post-production and the flipping of the car, did you put something under the car to flip it? Because, yeah, I was quite impressed. It went, uh, yeah, it felt like, uh, you know, it just came out of nowhere. I was like, wow, how'd they get this budget? So, um, yeah, how do you, uh, you go about doing that? The mine um, was shot um, with a second unit uh, in WA, in Western Australia, and was cut into the film. We took uh, David Wenham over there to do that. Um, there were mines, there were gold mines where we were staying, but they were uh, um, difficult to, to get to. And with the, yeah, there's a... Um, there's a, a pole that comes out of the bottom of the car and flips it. Um, the challenge, yeah, the problem is um, for that sequence was doing it 
with the sundown. Um, there were a lot of things I pushed myself on this film, and that that whole sequence on the airstrip at dusk is something that's really, really difficult to pull off. I mean, I try to I try to be really quick sometimes when I went shooting, but um, that that was a whole new level that day. It was nuts. I was running around mad with the camera, and we went back a few times, but every time was just yeah, really, really full on to do an action sequence at magic hour. As well as action, there was a surprising amount of comedy in the film. Bits and pieces of people laughing. David Wenham, brilliant comedian that he is, was able to get a, a laugh just by wearing a pair of shorts. Yeah, yeah, that was funny. There were things people laughing at everywhere, yeah. And Jackie Weaver, you know, she's, she was pretty funny too. Hey, how are you going? Love the film, thought it was great. Cinematography, amazing. Um, two quick questions. One, was the 70s film Wake in Fright, was that at all a bit of an influence? Um, the Australian film. And the other thing is, uh, I'm, f I'm from here, but I'm now a location manager in New York. I'm just wondering, any, any idea on international distribution? Uh, Wake in Fright, I've, ne I've never seen the... I've seen a little bit of the film, but not, not all of it. I, um, I saw the scene where they kill those kangaroos, um, which is pretty full-on, but that's basically all I've seen of that film, so that's, that's kind of... That's no influence at all. Um, and... Uh, Distribution in America, North America, that'll happen hopefully when we get an in, our international festival, um, when that happens. Hi Ivan, that was a great film. Um, great performances. How do, how do you get such great performances out of all those, those, those actors? What kind of director are you? Are you a kind of do it my way or let's see what happens, improvise? Um, I, not a lot of... I mean, the script is there, especially for a film like this. You just can't let them go off wandering around doing their own thing, even though he tries to. Um, uh, so you have to kind of, you know, stay on target with the script. But, um, yeah, but in, in saying that, I, <coughs> I give a lot of freedom. And make, I think safety is really important. Um, I mean, you can, be, you can be kind of detailed about stuff and, you know, about about tones and, you know, you know the, the way they're carrying their, their body and stuff. But it's just that safety, you know, letting, letting the actors feel safe. And um, uh, the most important thing I think that I do is actually shoot the thing with the, when I'm holding the camera. I mean, Jackie, Jackie Weaver just kept going on and on about how I was holding the camera, you know. Again, I was, I was with her the whole, you know, and I've got the camera, and she'd never felt, she'd never experienced that before, having the director right there, and the communication is just very, very fast, very intimate, and there's no one between us. Um, and so, but, at, you know, it's that freedom, freedom and safety, and I'm the editor, so, you know, I cut, cut around them when they're crap, basically. <laughs> so when you're shooting, do you keep the camera rolling and keep doing, you know, constant takes as say Jeff Jackie Weaver's not quite working you you're getting out you're keeping the camera rolling and getting it to do it again sometimes yeah like um if, if I'm trying to get a certain look um I'll just keep the camera rolling and then I'll talk to I'll talk to the other actor who is um acting with the person on screen and I'll I won't you know I may not say anything to the person who's actually on the camera to the other actor I'll be because, you know, act is all about reaction. And so 
I'll be given it given directions through the person off screen of how to act, and that will influence how they'll act on the screen. Yeah, what like in your mystery road, like you know, Zoe Caridis, he he was getting her to flirt with me heaps on while I was on camera, and she was off camera, which is giving me a totally different reaction. And I've got the cameraman next to me laughing at the same time. So, kind of, yeah, there's a real beauty and there's a real kind of freedom. And um, Ivan's one that just, because it's a through line and he's directing, he's editing and he's, he's written it and he's seeing it, it, it just makes for such a, a better ingredient without uh, too many arguments coming from all of those different departments. You know, like, um, yeah, it makes it easier. Another really important thing is... is to mould each, each actor to the script. So um, just not be precious. I mean, you've got the general story, but just don't be precious about stuff, changing stuff. Because if, if they can't say the line and make it convincing, it's useless anyway. It's going to stuff your film up. So you've got to get rid of it and you've got to fix it or let the actor put something else in there. And so as a the writer, there's no one in the way there either, you know, like getting worried about their precious script. Kate Bean just gets one scene as Pinky, and yet you get a, a lot of depth in that character, and a lot of she brings something out of Jay there. How did you get, in the same way of working with actors, how did you get her to sort of come on set and bring that kind of, you know, deepen the story? In casting as well, you have to cast the right person, and I had wanted to work with Kate for years, and um, it was just this one scene, it was the only opportunity in this film, so I just knew that she would bring what she brought with her. And she was coming in just to do that one scene, so she was going to prepare for that. Um, and there's a, a great relationship off camera, off screen, <coughs> between Aaron and her as well. So, um, yeah, just the combination of all those. Yeah. And we'd worked together on a, on a very, very short film like 15 years earlier, so the relationship was already there and the friendships were already there. So it just <coughs> makes it a lot easier when um, there's familiarity and there's respect and stuff. You know, you can... You can even do some of those harder films, you know, those harder sequences, you know. So it just felt like you're working with friends, which makes it a lot easier, I think. Ivan, with your, the composing of the music, like, is that from the start, the whole music you composed? What do you mean? Because the music was beautiful. So did from you compose, you actually wrote all the, the music? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Where did you get your musical talent from? No, really. It was very beautiful. It was very moving, which is what you want. Um, in music, I thought it was beautiful. Yeah, I, I decided to really put some effort in this time. I, I mean, um, with everything, actually. I've never pushed myself so hard on a film as this film to actually... And I don't know if it's just me personally, just, but I'm at the stage of my life where I just don't give up until the last second, until you have to actually stop editing or stop sound or stop stop the music just just um i was saying to someone the other day about the work ethic i mean you when you hire an editor they'll work from you know nine to five or whatever but um i'll keep going till midnight and then all weekend as well and I'm, and with the music i just recorded another session music session two weeks ago um here in town for the soundtrack because i wasn't happy with just the music from the, from the film. Uh, I had written a lot of other music which didn't make it 
into the film. And um, I wanted to make that music have a more ambient feel, so um, it's just a, a piano, one violin and one cellist, um, which will have a different feeling to the big, lush um, orchestra that we use. So the soundtrack will have a, have a, you know, a balance of this, this subtle ambience as well as the bigger sound. And, and normally, I, you know, I would think, okay, I've done the music, for the film, that's enough, but I just kept pushing to actually bring all this new music for the soundtrack, so it's its own, it's its own kind of thing. Have you had any music training, Ivan, or do you play any instruments? Um, no, no training, no training. I, and I started to, to learn to write music at one point. I'm, <coughs> I'm into actually, you know, the dots stuff. Um, yeah. Jimi Hendrix didn't need it, but um, but I, I I gave I stopped because I was learning too much, and I didn't want I didn't want to be have that mind where I wanted to keep it free. And so when I write music, I sit down at the piano and just press record and improvise, and then just keep playing until you hear it coming out. And I think I'm starting to do that with my writing as well. Just just not be too worried about you know the structure and stuff yet. Just let it. Just let it come out. I know with Mystery Road, when it had its world premiere at the state, you sat up the back, observed how the film played, observed the audience's reaction, and then tweaked the film slightly, took a little bit out, changed the pace a bit. What did you do on opening night here? And did you sort of get any sense of how you might, you know, whether it needed any changes or not? I did the same thing. I stood up the back and just listen to the audience, try to feel the audience, try to soak them up. Because I know the film so intimately, I'm waiting for each moment and, um, and listening to the responses and you know, finding, finding, um, finding out there are a lot of things in the film which I, wa I didn't respond to that the audience are responding to. Um, but I didn't feel like I needed to touch the film at all this time. Um, maybe it's to do with pushing myself more or... Um, you know, now that I'm older or something, I don't know, but I just felt like um, I didn't lock the film off until I was happy with it, and then I just relaxed with it. And um, yeah, I wouldn't, I don't, I wouldn't change anything um, um, you, with it now. Were you surprised by anything in the way the audience responded? I was surprised by the amount of humour that people read into it, got out of it. That was a real surprise. Um, there's, yeah, there's probably twice the humour in the film than what I thought. Which is a good thing. It's a good thing. Yeah. Okay. Okay, we'll have one more and then we'll uh, have to wind it up. So we'll just go up the back here if that's okay. Hi, thanks very much for taking one last question. Um, or it's probably more a thank you. Um, we're from the country and just wanted to reflect back that it's just so amazing to see a story that actually tells some of the shit that's going on out there and um, what you say about mining everywhere else, it seems um, that voice is killed by the power of the money and um, I think it's really brave a lot of the things that you took on in the film and just masterful storytelling, so thank you. Thank you, thank you.
that's a, uh, that's a great note to finish on. Thank you for some terrific questions. Uh, it's uh, been clear that this film has been really well received at the festival. Uh, it's been great to hear from everybody, particularly Ivan, who we can tell from that cough there has not been well. So it's been great to, to have him here talking about it. Aaron, David as well. It's been terrific. We wish you all the best for the life of the film. And, and thank you. Uh, join with me in saying thanks to them for being here with us. Thanks for coming, guys.